welcome to the 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast with your hosts Chip Patterson and Barton Simmons. The ultimate insider's guide from signing day to the national championship game and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast. Oh, yes. Thank you, big voice in the sky. We are back here on the 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast. Chip Patterson here. Barton Simmons there. Barton, how are we doing? What's up, man? I'm good. I'm good. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm finally getting out of this cold, I think. We got a little sun in Nashville. It's it's April 18th, and we're just finally getting the first like little little rays of spring. Uh so I'm ready. I'm ready. Did you have that frost warning or the, earlier in the week? Yeah, man. It was like it was it was really cold this weekend. And yeah, I think I, rainy. I I think the uh, I think I think somebody needs to uh, pull the cartridge out of the Nintendo and blow on it because reality is glitching a little bit. We got to yeah. we got we to get back on track. Yes, uh, and not only that, but we're watching spring games with everyone wearing you know parkas and. Uh, it, it was a little better this past weekend. We got a little bit of sunny spring games. Little, little bit better. Uh, we did have a few that had adjustments due to inclement weather. But uh, let's 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 start with uh, a topic that has become one of the biggest in college football, and uh, one where I feel like, again, you know, I, I said this the last time we talked. You you were one of the first ones uh, to this topic. Like if if. The Ohio, if the this particular wrinkle in the Ohio State quarterback conversation and the Ohio State quarterback position has been a hot topic of conversation all the way back to Braxton Miller, like you were the first one to to rush there and to find the gold that is, hey, we got to decide on Joe Burrow right now because the spring game came and went. Um, I I saw. The I saw Dwayne Haskins look pretty good. I saw Joe Burrow look real good. I saw Tate Martell uh, make a lot of good plays with his legs. And now it just seems very obvious that uh, Urban Meyer is going to try and make a decision in the next couple weeks so that if Joe Burrow is not the starting quarterback or if he is not likely the starting quarterback, he would have the option to go seek playing time elsewhere. It's something you've been talking about for weeks and weeks and weeks. What did you see from the three quarterbacks in Columbus? Uh, I saw, well, let's see. Joe Burrow was 15 of 22 for about 230 yards and two touchdowns. No, 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 no. I'm looking at last year's stats. Uh, no, I'm looking at this year's stats. Um, and Dwayne Haskins was... 9 of 14 or something like that? was nine of 19, nine of 19. for like 115 yards or something. And Tate um, Martell scooted around for like 84 rushing yards. Yeah. Honestly, that if you want to, if you want to like my, my, my biggest revelation, it's like that. Martell uh, can move. Martell. Yeah. I mean, I knew Martell was, was, was athletic like that, but I, he brings such a different element that I, it wouldn't shock me if we see a, a sort of a Martell package over the course of the season, it just sort of makes sense that he would he would get some touches because he does bring a little bit of a different element to the game. But that's not really the story because Tate Martell's not going to win this job, and whether or not he gets some some Martell packages is is 
a little bit irrelevant in, in April. But, um, you know, I think you know, Burrow did what I expected him to do and have a really good day. And he had the best statistics and he had um, probably the, you know, if, 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 uh, if the coaches are grading the film out, I don't know. I think Burrow may, may end up being the, the leader at the end of the day with that. But it, for some reason, I just, I still get a Dwayne Haskins vibe in this thing. And, and the way, and even like some of the throws that Dwayne Haskins made in the spring game and just the presence he has when he's out there, it just, it feels a little bit more like that's the guy. And that's a very um, borderline arbitrary like perspective. Like it's, it's very, it's, it's a lot of feel there that I'm going off of, but I still feel like Dwayne Haskins is the guy. And, 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 a, and it sounds like that Joe Burrow has basically told Ohio State, like, hey, if this thing goes into the summer and y'all haven't named a starter, I can't promise you I'm going to be here. Like, if they just even say, hey, this is even, we need the fall and August to figure this out, then Joe Burrow has basically said, like, I might be here, but but I can't promise you that. Like, if that's, what, if that's a, uh, a scenario, I may already be gone. And I don't blame him. I mean, this is a kid that's clearly is good enough to – to be an elite quarterback in college football. And, uh, and so, I don't know, right now it feels like to me this is Dwayne Haskins' team and Joe Burrow will be the starting quarterback somewhere else next fall. I wondered watching uh, all the wa- watching some highlights, watching all the fallout, watching the interviews. Uh, you know, Urban Meyer has Joe Burrow on the mind. He, he named Burrow first. Uh, what do you think about the quarterbacks today, Coach? And he was like, well, we're going to have uh, – we're going to have Joe – we're going to Burrow – and and Dwayne and of course Tate in there like I mean I yeah. he he's got he's got Joe Burrow on the mind he understands that this is the hinge and I wonder if the I wonder how much of this from a coach's perspective especially at a place like Ohio State uh, for a coach like Urban Meyer I I think I wonder if you're able to have a little bit more of a the luxury of having a little bit more of a big picture mindset and when it comes to the big picture mindset having the uh, decision of, all right, so, you know, we can go with Joe, but there is, you know, a, a, a shorter limitation to how long Joe can be here in college and, and help us win and pursue Big Ten and national championships. You could go with Dwayne, know that you've got, you know, Tate, who looks like he can provide something. He is not worthless on the football field and know that you've got both of those players for more time with, with, you know, more room to build. If when you're urban Meyer, like you were just saying, that's like from a field perspective, I wonder if urban Meyer build, you know, the person in charge of driving this Ohio state blue blood football program right now, isn't going to take longevity into consideration when he has to make his decision. Well, but I don't know, like, I mean, Joe Burrow's got two more years to play. Dwayne Haskins, if he plays well, He'll have two more years to play. Um, well, I, you know, I mean, I guess technically Dwayne Haskins could only have one more year to play if, if he's good enough next year. But Joe Burrow could only have one more year to play if he's good enough. True. So I think, like in a way, like that's it's this isn't. I I think Urban Meyer is this isn't one of these deals where say Clemson, which we'll talk about here in a minute, where like you are legitimately like putting your depth at risk or or limiting your you know your 
runway with one quarterback over the other is sort of you got this you got sort of the same picture with both quarterbacks as far as what's what's to come I, I think this is in, in some ways you can sit back if you're if you're Urban Meyer and truly make the decision who do you think is the best quarterback um and and not not worry about starting a freshman who you know over a, a junior that's maybe just a hair behind him um and 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 like this one is, I mean, you got a red shirt sophomore and a red shirt junior, uh, and at this point they're kind of they're sort of on the same footing, and you have to be fair to the red shirt junior, give an opportunity to play somewhere else, and look, you got a backup quarterback that looks capable, uh, so you just go out there and make the best decision for the team. And what's interesting is is that is truly, I think inside the halls, I, I my hunch is that when when Urban Meyer sits in the coach's office with Ryan Day and Kevin Wilson and I, I, my hunch is they don't really know uh, and and certainly it's not obvious on the field either I think that there's a real legitimate race which sort of sucks for Ohio State because they may not be able to wait until the fall to to, to have the a real legitimate finish to this they may have to accelerate their decision who would you start if you were Ohio State you said you talked about your feel, but I'm, I'm I'm putting you in Ryan Day's shoes. You know that you've got one vote in a conversation with Kevin Wilson and Urban Meyer. Who are you putting your Who are you investing your stock in? I think I go Joe Burrow. I think I go Joe Burrow. I think that and and this is before, like I don't really know who's the leader behind the scenes. You know, like no, I don't know true. who the yeah, team yeah. rallies around because I think ultimately that's what the answer is. You know who who does who does the team really trust? Who does the team? Who is the team secretly rooting will have will win the job? Who can who can you know in the fourth quarter get the the offense in a huddle and say, hey guys, let let's let's go out and get this and 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 look in everyone's eyes and they believe them. Like I think that's that's kind of the answer. Hey, we know uh, that matters to Urban Meyer with how long he rode with JT Barrett talking about team leader. Yeah, probably too much. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah, hundred (laughs) percent. So yeah, but I mean, I think ultimately, I I continue to believe that this will be a tougher offense to defend without JT Barrett and with either of these two guys starting at quarterback. And we kind of saw that in the spring game a little bit. We, you know, the run game is going to be good, assuming the offensive line is is solid. Like there, I think they'll have a little bit more balance in the pass game. They'll be able to go vertically down the field uh, more effectively. Uh, so it's going to be, I think, I think Ohio State's going to be, going to be pretty good offensively. And and by the way, defensively, I think Chase Young and Nick Bosa may be the best bookend defensive ends in college football. I, you still got to go Clemson for the best D line, right? But the best bookend D ends, I think you. I don't know if it's it's it gets any tougher than than having to block those guys on the same defensive line coming off the edge i mean it's oversimplification and we always end up having you know the same it's it's usually a conversation of about seven teams seven to eight teams that are going to be in everybody's projected playoff uh, at the end of the year but like it is very very hard for me to imagine that in the sport of college football having a defensive line like ohio state or clemson is going to keep me from picking them to win their conference Right. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I mean, it's I just mean, like hey, I, we're not. I promise you, uh, loyal listeners, we are not being lazy. Like we are pouring over these, uh, over these depth charts, over the personnel, over the practice notes, and at the end of the day, 
when you just have a nasty D line goes a long way. And uh, just like that was probably the single thing that flashed the most in that in that Ohio State spring game. And it was like a two hand touch spring game for the most part. Like there's not a lot you can really learn from it, but man, Nick Bosa is, is and, and Chase Young for that matter. But but in particular Nick Bosa, like the first like five plays he was on the field, it just seemed like he was just like blitzing by uh, whoever was trying to tackle him. Like that dude's going to be a beast this year. And, uh, and that, that uh, I think that defense is going to be, is, is not going to take too much of a step back. All right, let's, uh, let's, let's go to those Clemson Tigers next. Since, since we just mentioned them a good bit, specifically at the quarterback position, Hunter Johnson, and uh, Trevor Lawrence are behind Kelly Bryant officially. Dabo Sweeney, you know Kelly. Kelly's the returning starter. Kelly's the returning starter. The you mentioned uh, risking your depth at that position. What do you think that there is a? Are, are we putting Hunter Johnson on transfer watch right now? Are we putting Kelly Bryant on transfer watch right now? <laughs> I, I mean, I don't, this is this one's the like this one. Urban Meyer can't really go wrong. Like, there's no wrong answer, and and he'll be okay regardless. This there, there's risk here for for Clemson. You got to play this right. But that was the story of spring games so far, is what happened at Clemson in their spring game because Trevor Lawrence was the third quarterback they played, and Kelly Bryant looked very average. Hunter Johnson looked decent, and then C- Trevor Lawrence comes out. And just throws a like beautiful fifty yard drop in the bucket touchdown to T. Higgins, and you're like, oh my god, that's exactly <laughs> what they were missing last year. Holy cow, this offense could be good with this guy. And and then like the, that's that's sort of bullet point one. And then bullet point two is then Kelly Bryant comes in after that, and you can tell that the just weight of the world is on his shoulders now. Oh man. The, the long-haired freshman just threw a, a strike for a touchdown on a ball that I haven't thrown in years, and now i got to look sharp. And he overthrows l- at least three downfield shots of wide-open receivers. He had one first down on seven possessions and just did not look sharp. And beyond that, looked like he felt the heat coming from Trevor Lawrence. Man, that's and not think- good. That's not really good. not and good. And like that's I know it's a spring game but forget the stats, forget the production. I'm just talking about the 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 sense you got from Kelly Bryant from a like body language, body language standpoint. And uh you know and and, and so I think that that is worrisome if you're Clemson and to me it was it was very well and and look, and let's give Kelly Bryant credit for this or 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 cut him a break in this sense. There was no quarterback runs. There, were, I mean, that's part. That's a big part of his game, and so taking that away from him is is not super fair. But with that sort of caveat thrown out there, it was very clear to me, or I mean, it certainly looked this way on on uh, during the spring game that Trevor Lawrence was the best quarterback there, Hunter Johnson was the second, and and then Kelly Bryant, and. Uh, you know, so I think what. So where's know, I, so where's the risk? I uh, do. You, do you think the risk? Well, the risk is then like what if what if you just decide and like, hey, when do you if you're gonna go Trevor, when do you make that call? And if you make that call, say after spring or in the summer, I mean, you're not gonna do that. But like, you know, 
I guess the risk – I guess if you wait until the fall to make that call, then there isn't a, a big risk. But you, you could – I mean, you could potentially lose Kelly Bryant and Hunter Johnson if you handle this the wrong way. Um, the good news is they're even – even after those guys, they're still a competent backup in Chase Bryce. But uh, I just think that there's some – there is a little bit of of, of risk in, in just depleting your quarterback room, but but you're right. I think you you know and, and the more you sort of talk it out, like why not just go Trevor Lawrence? Just just roll it out there. Give them. I mean, they're they're the early part of the Clemson schedule is pretty manageable, and you know my argument was Tua never should have waited until the national championship game to play. He should have gotten his feet wet through the first half of the season against Alabama or an Alabama schedule and then they never would have they never would have lost um late in the year you know they would have they would have run the table with Tua uh and I think that could be the case with Trevor if, if he gets his feet wet early in the year uh by the end of the year he's not a freshman anymore the most fascinating moment is going to be <clears throat> when Clemson's playing Texas A&M in week two because that's uh that is Jimbo Fisher who has played plenty of games against Dabo Sweeney. And that is a talent level that is going to, to challenge It's going to put Kelly Bryant in some tough spots. And it's going to put the Clemson offensive staff. Uh, if, if they have not already named Trevor Lawrence, because I I've, I've said this before, I go back to starting Cole Stout over Deshaun Watson, but then by like week four or five, Deshaun Watson's a starter. Watson ends up only playing about five or six games as the starter before he he hurts his knee and like you know, comes back the next season, leads him to the national championship game with the loss, next season wins it. I, I go back to that to say I wouldn't be surprised if Kelly Bryant is the Cole Stout in this situation where Deshaun got reps from game one against Georgia, and I think Trevor Lawrence will get reps. And I think Trevor Lawrence might end up being the player with the quarterback with the ball in his hands in a big spot at Texas A&M just because he can stress the defense in ways that Kelly Bryant can't. But uh but man, this like like I think we'll know early based on Clemson's schedule because you've got Texas A&M in week 2 and you've got F- NC State and Florida State in late October. Like this this thing is going to be settled out within the first 2 thirds of the season. Well, and consider this too if you're Clemson. In that game, the best player on the field without question was T. Higgins. Like, he looked awesome. And if you roll with Kelly Bryant, like, you are then basically not eliminating, but you're, you're muting the best weapon you have. And so, like, the reason T. Higgins was good is because Hunter Johnson threw the ball up to him. Trevor Lawrence threw the ball up to him. And if you can't have that guy that can deliver that football, then then your best weapon is is, is no longer as dangerous. So, you know, I think that there's there, there's, I mean, this the the Trevor Lawrence hype is, is about to get out of control after that spring game performance, and 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 Clemson across the board. Like I'll say this too. I, I talked to one of their coaches before the game and just sort of, hey, how's how's the spring looked? What's jumped out? And uh, the the line I got back was this is the best freshman class we've ever had. Um, like all those, they had like nine early enrollees and they all looked good. Um, 
And and so and to think some of these D linemen, five star D linemen, may not even be able to get on the field. But I mean, this is a this is a stacked stacked roster that the you know the right decision needs to be made at quarterback. You can't like this is you only get so many shots in national titles, and uh, this is Clemson's. Clemson has a real shot at a national title this year with this roster. So you have to make the right decision now at quarterback, not a, not a long term play, not a what's best for the for the you know, for the depth chart, for the roster, you know, what's, who's going to give us the best chance to win this year? 10 years ago, you could, 10 years ago, I don't know if I would have believed what Clemson has become. It's fat. It's still like, like I try to remove myself from the situation. Uh, we, when we were talking with Dennis Dodd on the last episode, you know, how do you, you know, how do you make sure you put in context, you know, the covering Alabama in the midst of what is going to be considered one of the greatest runs in, in the sports history. Uh, this is nowhere close to that, but just even from the limited scope of looking at Clemson football, uh, you know, there were decades that went with Clemson being a team that was like, you know, you only get but so many shots at ACC titles. Now now we're in a, a little window where, where Clemson winning the ACC is the assumption and competing for a national championship is the expectation, and that's like that. That's a that's a testament to what Dabo and this staff have built on the recruiting trail. Because uh, this, this this still feels weird. Like I was just sitting here, I was like, man, this it is crazy that this program that was finishing consistently like second, third, fourth in the ACC for so long is now you know has one of the most talented rosters in the entire country. And now has a shot at a national title just a couple years after winning one. Yeah, I mean it's it's the, the reason it was so shocking is because Dabo's doing it like different. Like he's not he's not trying to be Nick Saban. He's not trying to be Jimbo Fisher, Bobby Bowden, or whatever. Like he's just he's he's doing it like the you know you see sort of the upstart. Oh, you mean all, like all, all the, the time, insurance these upstart programs that could, they're just like a you know, recruit well with this like kind of flashy recruiting head coach. And like, there's no staying power with those kind of programs, but Dabo Sweeney figured out how to, how to make it work. I mean, this guy's not even ever been a coordinator. Um, and, uh, he's, he's figured it out, man. You, you gotta, gotta give him credit. The doing it like the insurance salesman that he was. The, the real estate, the, the real, real estate. estate. Yeah. yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Florida state and Texas A&M, uh, two programs that will be linked because of Jimbo Fisher, uh, but also just because of you know you're you're playing in the uh, the SEC and the ACC. You you've got you know both. The, there seems to be uh, checking the temperature at both of these fan bases. It's like Texas A and M fans are super excited and have talked themselves into everything about Jimbo Fisher, while at the same time Florida State fans like largest spring game attendance, all the alumni are coming through. It's, you know, it, not everyone can win. And by the time these teams hit the field, the disappointments that are going to be there will, will change a lot of this emotion. But it's, it's really funny. Spring, spring practice is always a time of eternal optimism, but it seems like particularly in College Station and Tallahassee, uh, the, the, new, the new coaches seem to can do no wrong. Well, this is the most important question of the spring is, is was decided or will be decided this fall when we find out whether or not you're more successful with music in practice <laughs> or without music in practice. Because Kevin Sumlin, as we all know, was big on the music, play the rap, 
you know, be loose, have some fun. And now Jimbo Fisher came into town and there's no music in practice. And Texas A&M fans are all saying, oh, man, that Jimbo, man, we're so glad he's coming in. Finally, a real coach is coming in, just going to coach these guys up and not not dance around practice all day. Well, now, you know, you go to Tallahassee and Jimbo's left and, and you know, that the no music practice is left. And here comes Willie Taggart. And, man, they're playing rap and they're having a fun and practice is upbeat. And all the Florida State fans are saying, oh, man, yeah, oh, that's finally – we get a coach that knows about the kids that can relate to these guys, and and these guys are going to have fun, and man, it's going to help recruiting, and we're going to be and we're going to be a fast-paced team, and uh, so it's just, you know this has been this has been a great lesson uh, in in watching these spring games and what kind of product is produced based on your based on choice. your practice music. Do you have it? <laughs> are you in touch with the Utes? Are you in touch with the Utes? <laughs> I, I, I'm all right. Let's, let's start at Texas A&M. I think that, uh, I think tempered expectations are healthy, but I do believe that Nick Starkle is going to be a very competent middle of the pack SEC quarterback next fall. I think that that is, I, I agree with that statement. Like top five, and, top six, maybe you're never going to confuse him with being a, a first or second team All SEC quarterback, but I think uh, not gonna, hurting I think your team, gonna, right? I think there's going to be very like variance with him. There, he will dip into the bottom half for a few games. He'll dip into the top half for a few games. There, he's like I didn't come away from the spring game thinking, oh man, Nick Starkle, yeah, because like I didn't really love him in high school. I mean, he was a three star. Like I thought he was good. But he wasn't um, – I didn't think he was an NFL quarterback. And I, it appears he has really developed, and I think he's a, he's a grinder. He's a gym rat. Uh, so he's gotten better, and he is sort of Jimbo Fisher, more st- that style. Um, but I don't think – but I think he's still closer to that three-star kid than he is the four-star kid. Uh, and yet, like you, can, like, you can still be successful with that. Um, so, yes, I just think, you know, don't – no one should get their expectations too high, but I do think with Starkle, you got a competent guy there. And, and frankly, Kellen Mond looked capable too. Um, so I think quarterback, they'll be okay. Uh, it, was, it was interesting to watch Texas A&M. You know, they're, they're using the tight end. They're using the fullback. I think Jamon Osmond's got a chance to be a really good receiver on the outside. Um, it's just a – it, you know, I think the Texas A&M – you know, I was a little bit down on them when we talked last week, and you sort of talked me, you know, got me, got me seeing more clearly. I, I do think they're going to be a solid team uh, that's, you know, solidly fourth in the SEC West and probably decidedly fourth in the SEC West. But, uh, but I wouldn't expect this team to, 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 you know, make any SEC West title uh, aspirations. Just yeah, I, I just, I, I think the talent level is. I don't think I don't think Texas A&M has a very high ceiling, but I think that the floor is pretty high too because of just coaching and basic talent level. Like there's there there are seven win there are seven to eight wins on that schedule for sure. Yeah, maybe not yeah, ten, but definitely seven to eight. Um, Jay Sternberger was sort of the the, the star of their spring game. Um, really good. I mean, JUCO kids. Um, uh, 
looked looked like he's going to be an instant impact guy. Um, like he's uh, he's big enough, he's athletic enough. Like that guy will be uh, an impact guy as Jimbo Fisher tries to bring a more pro style scheme uh, and and defensively, I think they'll be they'll be good again as well. So uh, so yeah, I think uh, I think A and M looks decidedly solid. On the other side, if if I was to make a, a bold prediction right now, I don't know what kind of odds I would get. Um, but I would imagine they might be plus odds considering he was not the starter at the beginning of the year, but I think James Blackman is Florida state starter in game one. Yeah. Especially after a weed arrest. Oh, uh, did you see the details of that? Yeah. They were like surveilling him for like two months. They went through his garbage. <laughs> yeah, man. If I'm, if I'm uh, Deandre Francois, I'm like driving myself crazy trying to figure out who is, is you know, snitching on me to the cops. Like, I listen, mean, who's, for who's all, in his room being like, I think this dude's dealing and, and calling the cops. That sounds like a that that's that's worrisome. If I'm DeAndre, there was what New York Times expose level investigation on Florida State football being buddy buddy with the Tallahassee Police Department. I don't know if that's still going on. If if the Tallahassee Police Department is surveilling the starting quarterback over selling some bud for two months. Right. <laughs> right. You know? I mean, and, and and college kids are dirty and smelly, and you went through DeAndre's garbage four times? Jeez. Yeah, man. That's, that is not the buddy-buddy treatment that we had when you could crash a scooter and run from the scene like in the good old days in Tallahassee. I know. I know. And so... I guess DeAndre Francois is, I mean, in some ways, after that, like the the just weed possession charge is, uh, you know, that's just a not not nothing to nothing to get too uh, worried about. I mean, he'll be <laughs> at least he wasn't distributing, and and Willie Taggart's probably uh, gonna make a run a few stadiums, and and he's good to go. Uh, but do you think that? But my my big prediction was basically on the idea that. James Blackman, maybe with his experience that he had last year being thrown into the fire, may be able to re- may be able to realize a lot of the potential that Jimbo Fisher saw in him when he was the the skinny, lanky, under recruited prospect coming out of Florida. Yeah, and and the, all we hear now is that how James Blackman is sort of has the leadership qualities that maybe DeAndre Francois lacks and. I think if you're Jimbo, if you're uh, Willie Taggart, you you really like the idea of having. I mean, in a new new system, um, you need buy-in. I mean, getting a quarterback that can really be a Pied Piper for the rest of the guys, I think, is is important. So I I could absolutely see James Blackman winning this job. And and honestly, I think um, Bailey Hockman in the spring game looked capable enough as well. Who's who's? I mean, so they've got they've got a, a, a very uh, capable quarterback room as well to where, you know, this is another one where, hey, if someone gets hurt, they'll be fine. Uh, uh, but, the, I mean, the story there to me, like, Kalen Laybourne was was awesome. Um, Cam Akers still look good. They've got a weapon in Tamori and Ter- Terry that's emerging. Um, I mean, there's – Florida State's got, got plenty of weapons for that Gulf Coast system. Uh, and, and I think that's – we could we could see some we could see some flash pretty early there with that program. Yeah, it's it's really unfortunate that I just see another skinny quarterback and I'm like, oh look, it's Quentin Flowers. 
<laughs> he'll be able to yeah, run. Yeah. He'll be able to James run. James Blackman going to do any of the, the the stuff that Quentin Flowers can do with his legs, though. Yeah, that's, that's true. Um, all right. One more. Speaking of dynamic quarterbacks, uh, I the the big takeaway from Oklahoma's spring game uh, has been a, not very uh, positive for the offensive side. You know, I I have predicted my prediction that Oklahoma's offense will be just fine looks a lot shakier. Uh, the The main reasons for that hypothesis were the fact that while you're losing Baker Mayfield, you are returning uh, CeeDee Lamb, Rodney Anderson, Trey Sermons, Marquise Brown, like a lot of very, very good skill position talent. And Kyler Murray, you know, he has been there and he is super talented. And I figure it was, you know, even getting some playing time last year, he was going to be fine. I, we, first of all, Trey Sermons goes down with a leg injury in the spring game. That's not good. Uh, now, I, I think that Kyler Murray is, uh, Kyler Murray's not necessarily a, a sure, as much of a sure thing as I thought. Man, I, to me, huge red flags with Kyler Murray. And I don't know what the stats were. I'm sure they probably end up looking okay. Uh, but the way Kyler Murray operates in the pocket at, at Oklahoma looks not too dramatically different than he looked as a true freshman at Texas A&M. He still looks like he's playing in the sandlot. He still looks like he's a backyard quarterback just sort of winging it. When 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 Austin Kendall was in, and, and hey, look, Austin Kendall wasn't perfect. He threw an interception. He was, you know, there were there were some moments where where he looked like he had some limitations as well. But it, you at least get the sense that he's progressing. You know, through you know, going through his progressions, he's he's playing within the system, and the system's pretty good. You know, you might want to play within that. And Kyler Murray, on the other hand, looks like he's he's still kind of looking for his his scramble outlets. He's still, I mean, he's getting pa- passes batted down to the line of scrimmage. He's, I mean, there's just, I'm suddenly like, I, I, I don't want to overreact to a spring game, but where's the where is the evolution Kyler you know you you've we've been waiting for you to stop I mean look in high school he played within the offense but I don't know there's just something about the college game that just makes him want to skate and 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 I do think that when you're looking at his spring spent moonlighting on the baseball diamond that's got to play a factor in this yeah I was like, gonna it, say it is is this uh this this is really interesting to me because I I see people talking themselves into or out of two sport athletes in 2018. There's an argument for it that says, uh, you know, you're you're only making yourself more dynamic. The cross training is is going to help you in the long run. Jameis Winston famously continued to play baseball, uh, much much in the same line that Kyler Murray is with these dramatic play a baseball game, then go to spring practice, play a baseball game, then go to a, a spring game. Uh, but in in the other sense, there's exactly what you're talking about, which is, well, those are hours that are not being spent bettering yourself as a football player. And if you're Kyler Murray and the, the what you're getting right now is not the best football player to help Oklahoma win the big 12, well, then we got some problems. Yeah. And, and, Look, I think to to for the record, I mean, I think multiple sports in high school is is the best thing you can do. 
and I think no one should quit anything. Play play six if you can. Like play them all, even if you're trying to go to the NFL. Like that's the best thing for you. But once you get to the college level, particularly at the quarterback position, and particularly if you're someone like Kyler Murray that has been this sort of wing it type of quarterback, you know, make a make a decision. Now that the 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 tough thing with Kyler Murray is he's he's legitimately still could could be a major league baseball guy. Like he could legitimately if 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 you're sort of going all in on the NFL, then you need to make this make the switch now and just stick with football. But he's he's still got a decision to make. Like he could still be a major league baseball draft pick. He could still go that route. Uh, and and I think that's what complicates things for him and 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 frankly complicates things for him, for for Oklahoma. In a lot of ways if I'm Oklahoma right now, if I'm an Oklahoma fan, I, I'm not sure I don't feel better with Austin Kendall because I just at least know that Lincoln Riley will be in charge at that point. If Kyler Murray's under center, I'm not sure Lincoln Riley's in charge. Kyler Murray's still going to just sort of do his his own thing, and that that worries me a little bit if I'm an Oklahoma fan. Mm. But there's still other things to be excited about on the on the OU side in that game. I mean, defensively, I think. Uh, <coughs> excuse me, Bookie Radley Howes really flashed. Ronnie Perkins, the true freshman D lineman, really flashed. Um, I do. I, I continue to think that they're going to be improved defensively, uh, and and there was still some some really good weapons. And I'll say this too: for, it, it felt like Kyler Murray didn't have as many weapons as Austin Kendall had. He didn't have CD Lamb. He didn't have Grant Calcaterra. Um, oh, Calcaterra you know. is going to be a beast. Yeah, he's going to be Evan Ingram. Oh man, uh, I for, forgot when for he those, popped up at the end of last year. I yeah. was like, "Who is this?" Yeah, he's a great. He's he's perfect for their you know why or tight end or whatever. Whatever he is going to destroy linebackers over the seam. Yeah, yeah, he's a tough matchup. That's awesome. Uh, hopefully, someone will be able to get him the ball. Make sure. If you were looking for live analysis, highlights, everything from the night before and looking ahead to the next night in sports, then make sure you are getting it on CBS Sports HQ. CBS Sports HQ is CBS Sports' brand new 24-7 streaming network. You can get it on an Apple TV, Amazon Fire, any OTT device. You can also get it through the CBS Sports app on your phone or tablet. And it is always available online at CBSSportsHQ.com. Barton. When was the last time you were on CBS Sports HQ? This week? Uh, I was supposed to be on Monday, but uh, a canceled flight knocked me out of that opportunity. Mm. So what, next week. Maybe next week. Well, you can always see Barton. You can see Chip. Uh, we'll be on there. We're, we're giving you the same sort of highlights and analysis that we give you here. And you get to see our faces, our beautiful, beautiful faces uh, live in HD on CBS Sports HQ. So make sure that you watch it through the CBS Sports app on your phone, tablet, or OTT device, or at cbssportshq.com. As we spin this forward and start to look ahead to the weekend, uh, where do you want to start? We got Alabama, always exciting. New, new, newness excitement at Nebraska with Scott Frost, at Tennessee with Jeremy Pruitt, at UCLA with Chip Kelly, Penn State flying below the radar maybe, Washington, the team that we love, Georgia. Where, Where do you want to start here? What's exciting you about this weekend in spring action? Before we move on to this weekend, uh, quickly, did you have any impressions of Florida spring game, or did you have a chance to watch that one? Because we got we got our first 
We got our first look at the the Dan Mullen led uh, Felipe Franks experiment. I'm ex- I I am uh, I. No, I did not. I, I don't have my takes. I'm yet. gonna, I'm gonna double, I'm gonna double down on this, and I'm gonna say Felipe Franks is a is a is a solid quarterback this year, and and I think like people forget Felipe Franks was a, an, a he, like he was a dual threat quarterback until his senior season. We switched into pro style as a senior, but he keep, he ran like a an option offense for much of his high school career. He's got athleticism. I think Dan Mullen is good at, at giving quarterbacks an opportunity to be successful. Felipe Franks is too talented for the third year into this the program to not be a good quarterback. I think he showed some of that. So I continue to think that Florida is going to be much improved at the quarterback position without moving, you know, without changing personnel. So that's my that's my big takeaway at, for Florida. Scar, I mean Jordan Scarlett was back. That's good. He was back. Van Jefferson looked good when he was in there. Kadarius Tony's is 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 really good. I think C.J. Henderson at corner. Jakai Polite flashed to me a little bit. So, uh, there you know, there's still SEC East is going to be interesting after after Georgia because Florida. Because I came in bullish on Florida last week when we were talking, and you know what it was? It was just a little bit too happy. You know, like I was saying, I think the same thing about Florida State. When you've got like seventy former players and a lot of gimmicks, and it's and it's for the fan. I get it. That's awesome. Like it's it's it is not bad to generate a lot of happy feelings for your fans, especially the ones who come out uh, to try and and support the new coach and and the new direction of the program. But I kind of felt like I wasn't. I kind of felt like it was almost uh, it was a, it was, everything was being seen through some orange tinted glasses. How about that? <laughs> yeah, but that's like people were mad about that. But like, what? So what? That's what that's what the spring is supposed to be. Like, I'm not mad about. How, hey, hey, I'm not mad about Bobby it. Used to like when he was at Kentucky, and they were like when he was first getting rolling, they would just put like the third team defense against the first team offense, and they would just throw for 700 <laughs> yards, and he would just and he would just. You know, and and everyone would be excited about the offense. Yeah, it was formulated, but it was that's that's what you want. You want your offense leading the spring feeling good because your offense is going to be the, the the focal point of your team. So I didn't I didn't have a problem with the approach that Florida took, and I'm not ready. I'm not. And don't get me wrong. I'm not like out here hollering about Florida is going to sort of take that huge next step. But I, I just think I think at quarterback, I'm I, I feel better about the direction of things under Dan Moore. Yeah, and to be fair, I've got no problems with it. Again, I like yeah, I, I yeah. think I think spring games are for the fans and you do whatever is gonna make you and but, your uh, fan but, base happy. But what's funny is like the there was like this contingent of Florida fans that really like were were like upset with the the way the spring game went. Like that they wanted some like real game. And it was it wasn't that big of a deal. I didn't understand it. There was there was like a, a Twitter contingent of Florida fans that were like mad that the game was 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 too formulated and and, and manufactured. That's like, that's like shit. the other side of uh, the the massive uh, and and I don't want to limit it to public universities, but the ma- the massive state schools just they've got so many fans that there's going to be an angry contingent about everything. 
Right. <laughs> like the fact that there is like, like there is an Ohio State contingent right now that is sold on Tate Martell as the starter over Dwayne Haskins right. and Joe Burrow. Right. Um. All right. So okay, let's look ahead. What yeah. do you? Which Which of these uh bigger bigger spring games are you excited for this weekend? Uh, you know, I I think it'll be interesting to see what. Like I actually kind of want to see what Mississippi State looks like. I'm sort of fascinated by that program. They, they. I mean, seem you to like have, Joe, you, you're in on Joe Moorhead. That's not. I'm in on Joe Moorhead yeah. as an offensive coach, and and they have great personnel returning on both sides of the ball. Is this team? Is there a scenario that this team could could really sort of challenge Alabama for the West title? I think that that's within the realm of possibility, but but we'll we'll get a better idea of that after the spring game. Um, so I'm really interested in that one. You know, what does Tennessee look like? How bad is Tennessee, frankly? I mean, that's sort of – that's been the, the narrative we've heard all spring is, man, Tennessee's horrible. Uh, our personnel's terrible. Like, let's – and so I'm just curious if that's just, you know, all shucks into the roster or whether that's – they really got that long a way to go. Um, and then, hey, Nebraska, you know. I mean, let's see what the Scott Frost era looks like day one how far they have to go, what the quarterback position looks like. Can Adrian Martinez compete for that starting job? Um, I think there's a lot of questions in Nebraska. Um, they've got some playmakers that they can play in space. And, and you know, how quickly does that translate? So uh, I, I am very interested in see what that uh, – and, and how big the crowd is too. Like I bet that's going to be uh, quite an atmosphere. What's the is, – is there a quiet confidence around Georgia right now? Because I, I – I sense that in the in the in the big conversations around college football, I haven't I haven't seen Georgia float up to the like, a, like if there's like a running four or five talking points every single day. You know, you and I have to plug in. We've got to stick our head into college football. Like what are the, what are the four or five biggest things? You know, whether we're writing about it, whether we got to get ready because you know, one oh whatever the fan in, you know, Omaha, Nebraska is going to be calling us to ask us a question on a radio hit. Like, I, I feel like I've always got to just sort of plunge in. Big. All right, so what what are the biggest conversations right now? I feel like Georgia's been flying below the radar. Am I wrong on that? I feel like that's a little bit um, intentional on their part. Like, there's they've sort of locked down spring practice. There's not – they're not getting a ton of media coverage. They're, they don't – I think they want to sort of practice in the shadows a little bit. And, I mean, look, they've got the guy that I honestly think is probably more talented than, than Trevor Lawrence and, and Justin Fields on campus. They've got uh, a defense that is still going to be pretty good up front. They've got an offensive line that's going to be one of the best in the SEC after being one of the worst three years ago. Um, they've, I mean, there's, there's a lot to still be really, really optimistic about at Georgia, um, and, you know, not the least of which is – yeah, Jake Fromm and, and DeAndre Swift, and so yeah, I think I think they're a little bit under under hyped right now, under under discussed. But uh, so it is going to be interesting to see what they what they look like. I mean, they've been recruiting well enough the last two years that that roster is going to be uh, they're going to be one of them from a from off the you know, coming off the bus standpoint. They're going to look as good as just about anybody we see this spring. That's uh, that's is that one going to be on TV? I'm sure it's think, SEC Network, yeah, right? Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure ESPN somewhere. Oh, that's that's a uh, that that's a Barton Simmons special right there. No, 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 no more interviews with Kirby. Let's talk about <laughs> these twos and threes on the field right now, guys. That's right. 
That's right. They there's yeah, and there's gonna be there's gonna be a, there's gonna be freaks uh, like certified freaks that are gonna be playing in garbage time of yeah. the Georgia spring game. Yeah, we'll get a lot of window dressing on that on that uh, broadcast, which will upset me, but okay. <laughs> uh, Alabama will be missing Tua, uh, but it will be interesting to see how much Jalen Hurts has developed, evolved. I mean, well, Jalen Hurts will be back in the spotlight as a thrower. Um, and and can he distribute to all those weapons? Because I still think that that's the that's the identity of this Alabama team is their skill on offense, uh, and and can those guys all get their touches with with Jalen running point? Um, you know, this is like Jalen sort of gets this second life almost. I mean, the job was to us, or it is to us still, I think. But the longer this hand injury lingers sort of given Jalen a second life, a second opportunity to prove himself as a thrower. And this will be – this Alabama spring game will be an oppor- you know, a, a real showcase for him to, uh, to take that next step forward. We have put LSU on kind of a, a threat level. We have raised it up by the developments over the last, let's say, six months. Is that fair? Like middle to end of la- – like from – from if the high point was the comeback win against Auburn, I feel like we haven't had a lot of positives since then. Um, where is is there anything that from the LSU spring game that is going to uh, or any questions that could be answered or anything that you could see that could change the opinion that LSU might be in severe risk of falling to the bottom or back half of the SEC West? So what is that? Like, I think to this point, our our threat level has been like yellow, right? Like threat level elevated. Uh, I think the spring game is. I'm I'm like I have my finger on the button to to escalate the threat level to orange, threat level high, uh, and then you know week one, uh, we'll 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 I'll reserve the opportunity to to. Elevated to threat level red. Uh, I, I I mean they're playing I, they're playing Miami week one. Yeah, that'll be the, we'll we'll have a threat level red. We, they've got they get Miami and Auburn in the first three games of the season. This is going to be a bad year for LSU. This is going to be a it's bad just, year. It just is man. And and now so okay so that's what the expectation is. All right, so let's what if we get into this spring game and 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 Miles Brennan is just absolutely throwing darts um and the you know their 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 run game is surprisingly impressive and they're you know and and caleb on chasen's this you know terror on the edge and i, I mean I, I think there's maybe we could maybe we watch the spring game or maybe i watch the spring game and i'm, and I'm reminded of just how much talent lsu is capable of trotting out on the field particularly on defense and maybe if we go to threat level blue and it's just a guarded, uh, but that's not my expectation. And and so because of that, I guess I am a little bit intrigued on what this what this team looks like. The uh, the other place where I, I see some so we've we've talked about Washington. Like you and I are both in on Washington as a playoff team this year, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, well, I, I I'm not there yet to predict a playoff team, but yes, they're absolutely playoff capable. They've they've got two four year starters in the backfield. Yeah, yeah, they and and they're 
Their offensive line returns. I think they'll be better on the outside. I mean, they lose Dante Pettis, but I think they've got, you know, Chico McClatcher back. I think Ty Jones takes a big step forward. I think defensively, like, they'll be really, really good in the secondary. Uh, they got to replace Vita Vea, but they've got – I mean, they, they're going to be – they're going to be good. And now, and this year, they've got their Auburn matchup uh, to to go out and, and, and be their resume. So, um, man, that's going to be a great week, you know, early early season game. That's because be because that, the knock on Washington is always the schedule. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, uh, and, 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 I mean, this year, I think that, it, like, ironically, like, now that the, the schedule is going to suit them. They're they're actually good enough to. I mean, I don't even know if like last year they played Auburn early in the season. They probably weren't good enough to beat them. Um, this year they that they're good enough to win that game. So yeah, like I think at least that's my expectation. So we'll see if they look that sharp uh, on Saturday as well. Um, Texas, where I've got no read on Texas right now. Is that by design? Uh. Yeah, well, I think Texas is probably one of the teams we should have mentioned first. Uh, they've got some really talented freshmen that will be on display. They've got a legitimate quarterback competition. Um, they've got, you know, they've they've got they still like I, I think offensively we're still a little bit in a in a holding pattern, and and maybe that's a big reason why this you know this is an important spring game to see if this can be a step forward offensively, but. Um, but defensively, they've this is a this is a freaky recruiting class that they're bringing in, and so a few of those guys are early enrollees. We'll get a chance to see them on uh, on Saturday. The uh, are you putting Texas in a position based on the talent where you think a step forward can happen in 2018, or is that something that you're reserving maybe for the the you know because you you mentioned something with Florida earlier that I I do think is particularly relevant when we're, you know, sitting here in the off season trying to figure out how things are going to shake out. I I do believe that you can you can look at the really successful, you know, championship level programs and in their rise you, you can sort of signify when when those big steps were taken. Do you do you think that Texas coming off of uh like like I feel like Texas has had a lot of good juice since <laughs> since Tom Herman was mocking Drew Locke in the bowl game. They're like since the bowl game, I feel like there's uh the, the recruiting class came it turned out awesome. I feel like there's a lot of good momentum there. Do you think that we see on-field results for the Longhorns this fall? I mean, I guess it's they've been close forever. Like they've been close for the for I mean, I, haven't we thought that for like five straight years now? Like, well, that the last year was this like the growing pains, and now next next year they'll and and I haven't considered them a championship level program, a Big Twelve championship level program in a while. Oh yeah, I, I mean, I still don't. I don't think they take that kind of step forward. But I I I mean, there's no excuse that they shouldn't be able. I mean, they have two experienced quarterbacks returning. They have. I mean, they've got to replace some some talent on the offensive line but they've their defense should be great again they've I just think you at this point you should have been you should have enough talent on the roster you know I think the hey getting that grad transfer from Rice is a is was huge um I mean that kid's a starter on the offensive line that that 
where they they should be pretty solid. Like uh, I, I think Texas, I mean, there there's no excuse for them not to be a, a really good team. So yeah, I guess if I'm betting on them, like I'm betting they take a step forward. Um, what that means is is a little bit, you know, maybe I'll have a better a better uh, feel after this weekend. All right. Um, anything else as we're as we're dumping out the notebook? Um, Notre Dame this weekend. Ooh. The uh, uh, Clark Lee, a defensive coordinator. Um, the let's see, we got Penn State this Man, weekend as well. Notre Dame bores me. They're a little boring. Hey, UCLA's this weekend. Chip Kelly. I know. I'm. Uh, you know. I mean, I'm excited for that to uh, to to not impress anybody and <laughs> no, it won't it'll be they just got wilton spate as a grad transfer that should give you a little bit of an indication of what this offense is going to be this is not going to be breakneck pace um marcus mariota under center uh you know or, or, this is going to be more of a pro like a pro version of of the oregon stuff and if wilton spate fits in this offense then this offense is 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 still lacking a little bit. Do you know how long it's going to take Wilton Spate to get to the edge on a speed option? <laughs> it's, it, yeah, this is it's called the lumbering going, option. Yeah, yeah, the slow option. Um, no, this is a this is going to be like all RPO, much much more RPO, much less like like read option, um, and. I, I I talked to a someone that was on the old the 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 Mora staff a little while back, and there's uh, their offensive line apparently is just in in, in shambles. Um, there's I don't think they feel like they left Chip Kelly. Like you always hear the the departing staff uh, say, "Man, we left them a loaded roster. They should win with that right now." But then like the incoming staff be like, "Man, they didn't leave us anything. We gotta it'll it'll take some time." But rarely do you see do you hear like both staffs sort of like agree. The offensive uh, line is so, trash. <laughs> I, t- I talked to someone that left saying like basically being like ah, I don't know there's, there's they've got a ways to go over there. I think personnel wise they're in they're in trouble. So that that tells me that maybe UCLA that we should we should have some patience with Chip Kelly. All right, we'll have some patience with Chip Kelly. All right, Barton, uh, we will before the NFL draft. Uh, be back with sort of giving our look. I mean, we've covered these guys, Barton, even since they were uh, young tykes in high school. So forget all of the anonymous scouts. Forget what all these agents are telling you as they're leaking all these reports to all the NFL beat writers. If you really want to know about these players, well, then make sure that you should subscribe because we'll be giving you the lowdown college style on some of the top players in the NFL draft in the next episode. Uh, Barton, thank you very much. Yep. Yeah.